If you take your Bibles and turn to Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter 7. And before we read this passage that we're going to spend a few minutes on together this morning, we're going to pause for a word of prayer. Um, we've got a very important week ahead of us um, here in the United States of America. And so we're going to take an opportunity to have a special prayer for uh, the election on Tuesday. Uh, some of you will be voting on Tuesday. Some of you already have. Um, a lot of people will be. And uh, we don't want to take anything for granted. First of all, safety for voting is an amazing thing. Um, when you look around the world at the dangerous uh, circumstances that many people vote in, we thank God for the freedom and the, and the, the safety that we generally have in our elections. We're going to pray for that today. Uh, we're going to pray that God will bring people in uh, to office or keep them in office, whatever the circumstance might be, that will honor him and that will particularly honor life. And uh, we want to pray for our current leaders, um, whether they're involved in the election or not, that they'll um, serve us by recognizing that they're accountable to God. So let's bow together in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we live in the United States of America. We thank you that we can come here this morning and do what we're doing uh, without sending in the songs that we're singing or the verses that we're reading or the message that I'm preaching. That we don't have to send it in and let any government official know about it because we have the freedom to worship you in any way that we choose and in any way that we believe that you're leading us according to your word. And we're thankful for that today. And thankful for this privilege of prayer, not only to pray freely and, and, and safely, but also to pray to you directly because of the work you've done for us through your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so in Jesus' name and by his work for us, we pray for our country today. We pray for our, our national leaders, our state leaders. We pray for our president and vice president and pray that you'd help all of them to remember that they serve us because you've given them those positions. And that they're not only accountable to those who vote for them, they're also, and more importantly, accountable to you who gave them these positions of power, who gave them these positions of influence and authority. And we pray that they would use it to honor you and the way that you've described this world and how it's supposed to be run uh, in your word and in, in our hearts, in the, in the way that you've communicated to all people everywhere the, the, the right and wrong of certain things. And we pray that they would honor that, that they would follow that. We also pray for our election coming up on Tuesday. We thank you for all the early voting that we've been able to do freely and safely. And now we ask for safety uh, for those who will be voting on Tuesday. And we pray that um, those who are organizing the vote and, and counting the vote and that you'd watch over all of them, keep them all safe, help them to do it well. And Father, we pray that you would lead the people that are still voting, um, that still will vote on Tuesday, to vote for people who will honor you and who will honor life. We thank you for the opportunity that we have uh, because of recent decisions in our Supreme Court uh, for our states uh, to decide uh, important issues like uh, the life of the unborn. And we pray that you would um, lead us to vote for people who will protect and honor those lives and give them the opportunity to, to live life, to come to know you, to serve you, to honor you. 
And we thank you for the privilege of voting. Help us to use it well. And we pray that you'd be honored by it. And Father, we also pray that you'd be honored by our response to your word this morning. We've already heard this morning a a sharp rebuke from the prophet Isaiah to the people of his time and maybe to us as well. As so many times we are quick to honor you with our voices, with our mouths, but not with our hearts. And we pray that wouldn't be true of us, that we would respond to your word and that we would honor you, not only in what we say, not only in what we sing, but in what we do, that you'd be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Mark chapter 7, verse 1. Remember, Jesus and his disciples are now in the area of Gennesaret, along the the Sea of Galilee. And verse 1 says, The Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food with unclean, that is ceremonially unclean, unwashed hands. The Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And they observe many other traditions, such as the washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. So the Pharisees and teachers of the law asked Jesus, Why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with unclean hands? He replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. That was pretty strong. As it is written, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. You have let go the commands of God and are holding on to the traditions of men. And he said to them, You have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe or to observe your own um, traditions. For Moses said, Honor your father and mother. And anyone who curses his father and mother must be put to death. But you say that if a man says to his father or mother, whatever help you might otherwise have received from me is korban, that is, a gift devoted to God, then you no longer let him do anything for his father or mother. Thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down, and you do many things like that. Again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a man can make him unclean by going into him. Rather, it is what comes out of a man that makes him unclean. After he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about this parable. 
Get ready. Are you so dull? He asked. Don't you see that nothing that enters a man from the outside can make him unclean? For it doesn't go into his heart, but into his stomach and then out of his body. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. He went on. What comes out of a man is what makes him unclean. For from within, out of man's hearts, of men's hearts, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and make a man unclean. Now, we, don't, we do not want to be among those that he would ask the question, are you so dull? And so, with open eyes and open hearts, open minds to, to think correctly and clearly, we look at this passage and we ask ourselves, do we, like the Jews were doing in his time, and they're still doing it, but they're not the only ones who are taking the traditions of man, the writings of man, the statements of man, and elevating them above the Word of God. See, for, for centuries, even before the time of Jesus, the Jewish leaders were taking the Word of God and they were making more laws on top of it to make it even more, more difficult to break the laws, thinking they were doing the people, at least hopefully initially, they were thinking they were doing the people a favor. But what they found out in doing this, in the writing of these things, and you may, you may hear of a, a word called the Talmud, or, or, of, a fra- or of a word, um, Midrash. That's not a disease. Um, that's that, that's a, a way of, in, of, the, of the Jewish leaders interpreting the Old Testament and then adding laws and rules so that those new laws and rules would help them not break the original command that God gave. But instead, they use those things to gain power over people and in gaining power over people, increasing their own wealth. Jesus had some of these particular guys in mind as he was going through this list of sins that God has condemned. These aren't the teachings of man. These are the teachings of God, like arrogance and greed. He knew very well that some of these very people who were asking him these questions were using these man-made laws to increase their wealth. Even in regard to the treatment of their parents, he knew that some of these very Pharisees that he was that he was talking to, some of these teachers of the law, they were not supporting their parents because, as committed men of God, the Talmud said that if they commit themselves to God, then all their money is also committed to God, so they don't have to do the mundane things like helping their parents out. 
and they kept it for themselves. And Jesus basically said, as Isaiah did, shame on you. And shame on us, who we don't have a Talmud, thank God. But we have lots of other traditions that we elevate to the level or even above the level of the Word of God. We've, we've, we've been tempted for, for decades, for centuries as the evangelical church to make new rules to follow that aren't in Scripture. I remember the story of, of one of my great uncles who was kicked out of his church for playing cards. I can't find that verse. But to help out the people, his church made up new rules to follow so they won't break the rule, you know, the, the commands that are written about the heart. And so kicked out, never went back. Felt completely ostracized by the people of God because of a rule made by a group of men that had nothing to do with the word of God. Now, that's an old thing, an old rule. You know the old saying, don't, don't drink, don't dance, don't go with the girls that do or something like that, you know, something like that. All, all kinds of rules that don't come from the Word of God. Books written by some of our favorite authors who lay out new things for us to do or new ways to follow God. One of the popular things right now is is this concept of, of fasting. Everybody having these certain fasts. And instead of fasting like the Word of God tells us to, like Jesus himself told us to, if you fast, you do it quietly, you don't tell anybody about it, you, 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 know, you just keep it between you and God. No, now we're announcing, hey, we're all going to fast and we're going to do this, and we're going to let everybody know that we're doing it, and when it's over, then we tell everybody that we did it. What is that? Fasting's not a bad thing to do, but like that it is. But we put the Word of God aside and do the things that our favorite pastors, teachers, radio, television, podcasters, or whoever tell us to do. I want to encourage us to stick with this. Stick with this. I'm not saying don't read anything else, but I'm telling you this. If you're not reading this, don't read anything else. Because you need to be reading this so that the other stuff that you're reading, you'll, you'll be able to make sense of. You'll be able to notice when they're telling you to do something that's, that's not right. When they're interpreting something wrong, when they're telling you something is absolutely not in here. Make sure that you're committed to the Word of God and to the worship of God through His Word as He intended. And nothing else. Don't let anybody add anything else to it. It is sufficient. It is enough. He knows what he's doing in bringing us this word. In inspiring his apostles and and those close associates of the apostles like like Mark to write this word. He knows what he's doing. He knew what he was doing when he had Mark putting in, in these as the NIV puts it in parentheses, by saying this, Jesus declared all foods 
clean. Do you know what a a loud statement that was? To the Jewish people that believed in Jesus? That opened a whole other side of the menu. Because they had so many commands. And these weren't just man-made commands. They had commands from God. One of the things that God did for the children of Israel at, at a certain time in the Old Testament was set them apart by their dietary habits. He had a plan for that. Now Jesus is declaring that part of the plan is over. He's here to fulfill all of those dietary needs because we, by faith, are going to eat the clean food of his body and his blood. Oh, not literally. And I I say that, you think, well, of course not literally. No, a lot of people in the Roman Empire thought the early Christians were cannibals because of their their Lord's Supper communion services. And they they got word of it. These people are eating the body and drinking the blood of that guy. They literally thought that's what was happening. No, in memorial, symbolically, they were recognizing that Jesus took care of every thing that they needed and they ate as we do that piece of bread remembering his broken body they drank that cup remembering his shed blood the only shed blood that mattered all of the sacrifices that came before were only pictures pointing to that shed blood of the lord jesus on the cross so that everybody who believes in him would have all of their needs met through him And no longer had to not eat this, not eat that, worry about what kind of feet the animals had that were being eaten or any of those kind of things. All of that was gone because Jesus fulfills the law. All of it. In so doing, he mentions in this passage numerous attitudes, numerous activities that, that he's not pleased with, that don't reflect his honor and our respect of him and his creation. This, this list and list like this, I would think if we're listening, would hit all of us somewhere. Evil thoughts. Sexual immorality. Theft. Murder. Adultery. Greed. Malice. Deceit. Lewdness. Envy? He doesn't like that? Slander. Arrogance. And folly. See, all of these things disrespect him. And all of these things 
cause us to disrespect each other. And he wants us to live lives that honor him. That, re- that recognize, a life that recognizes in mind and action that we are his creation. Did you see the confusion that Isaiah, that Isaiah was talking about? We're, we're acting like a bunch of, of pottery that doesn't, doesn't know that it had a, a potter. Doesn't think the potter knows what it's do, knows what he's doing. And any of us who live in these ways that he lists here are saying God doesn't know what he's doing. I know better. I need, I need more than what he's providing for me. I need more recognition than the recognition I'm getting currently that, that he's, that he's allowing me to get. Why does that person get to have that stuff, that talent, that wealth? Why can't I have that? Just the thought of that dishonors him. Because he's our provider. He's the one that's given us what it is that we do have. We may not be too appreciative and hear Jesus saying, don't be dull. Don't be dull. All of this stuff speaks to our relationship with him. And so Jesus, while condemning those who follow man-made rules, which there were plenty of them in his day. There are, again, plenty of them around us. We've got to watch out for that. He wants us to get the point. Any, any rules that there are, and here, like I said, there, you know, this list of, of sins, you know, that creates some rules. He obviously doesn't want to steal them. He wouldn't put theft in here. So, like the Ten Commandments, don't steal. You don't need to. You know, you ever watch a, a TV show when, you know, somebody's wife is dying and they can't get their insurance and stuff. And so, okay, I, I'm, I'm just going to steal this money. It's not going to hurt anybody. I won't, you know, make sure nobody gets hurt. And, and you start thinking, you know, that's pretty nice. I mean, at least he's taking care of his wife. And uh, No, you don't get to steal. No theft. Even if you think you have to. He's got this. He, he's going to take care of you somehow in his way, in his timing. And it honors him when you're tempted to steal because you need it for, even to take care of your family. It honors him to say, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm tempted to because we're tempted to sin. We have a sin nature. We were born with it. We won't be completely rid of it until we see him in glory. And we see him as he is and he makes us like him. Until then, we're going to be tempted, and as we as we face those temptations, and, and all of these things are are tempting to all of us in one way or another. Remember Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, how he helped us interpret what God's talking about with the law. And he says something like murder, and we all think, well, don't have to worry about that one. Except, he says that's also talking about somebody who says in his heart, "You fool." about somebody else. He says, in the Lord's eyes, not in the state, and you're not going to have to go to jail for it, but in the Lord's eyes, you just killed him. So he takes it, he takes this 
to an, more than just an outward depth. He takes us to an inward depth and gets into our attitudes and our motivations. And so as we read this list, we see there, there, are, a lot of, there are a lot of areas in our lives that we're not very honoring to him in. And so our response when we read this, when we see him chastising, again, not only the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who were following all these man-made rules, but even his disciples who he was indicating were slow to pick this stuff up. We've got to, we've got to address it. He cares about our attitude toward our respect for our obedience of his word it's a big deal to him it is our way of honoring him oh his word tells us that he loves us to gather together and sing praise to his name but not if we're disregarding his word he doesn't want that it doesn't mean anything to him to hear us sing a nice statement about him when our hearts are saying, I'm still doing things my own way. I've still got a better way to do things than you do, God. And I'm going to do it. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you I'm thankful, and I am thankful for lots of things. But in certain things, in certain areas, I'm, I'm just going to do it my way. Because I think it's better. And you're thinking, I've never said that to him. And I'm going to say, are you sure? Because we probably have, without using those exact words. And so, can we take this word? And again, I'm just so thankful that, that God gave Mark the opportunity to know his apostles so well that he got to write this for us. And, and the story of the Bible, of how it got to us here today, is an incredible one. I'm so thankful that we have this word to, to give us encouragement to dig into it. To honor him by living it. By, by looking at the, at the word and saying, is there anything in this passage today that, that God wants to, to do any work in my life on? And certainly in this passage, it's like, whoa, there's a lot. Because he gives us this just amazing list. A list that, that, remember, he was, every one of those was jabbing those guys who were trying to tell him he didn't know what he was doing and teaching his disciples how to eat. He was confronting them with the actual word of God. And that's what he does with us when we open the pages of this book. That's what he does with us when we gather together and study his word together. And I want to encourage you again. If you haven't done it yet, I want to encourage you. Become a part of one of the Bible studies here at Midway on Sunday mornings or Thursday mornings or when we have them, Sunday afternoon. Come and be a part of it. Encourage, bring your children and have them be a part of these Bible studies. This is good for us to interact with God and how he wants us to live life in ways that are honoring and respectful to him as our creator, as our savior, as our promise maker and promise keeper. We need to be in his word. We need to understand it properly. And he's given us the tools that we need to do that. 
And we need to commit ourselves when we learn something about his word to put it into practice right now, immediately. Now, you know what I think? Starting 2023, I'm going to make a couple of changes. No, if he's shown you the changes that need to be made, put those into action in 2022, November 6th, as a matter of fact. If one of these, if one of these areas that the Lord mentions at the end of this passage hit you between the eyes or gave you a little nudge, get to work. Not just by, to use an old football expression, not just by hunkering down, you know, getting more serious about it. No, by recognizing that you are in a war. Your body, your flesh, your sin nature wants to take you all different kinds of places, and you're saying no to that sin nature and asking the Holy Spirit to help you, asking the body of Christ, your family members that are believers, your friends that are believers, your friends at church who are believers, asking the body of Christ to pray for you, to encourage you as we do these things together, and not giving up because it's hard. I heard one pastor gave the basic okay on homosexuality because it's so hard. It's so hard for some people to say, to say no to that. And, they, and it's just so difficult. So it must be, because it's so difficult, it must be okay. I want to tell you something. Saying no to sin is hard. No matter what it is, don't think that the thing that you're dealing with is harder than the thing that somebody else is dealing with. It's hard. Our flesh is strong. It wants to do some stuff that we shouldn't do. And it's hard to say no to it. But the Holy Spirit lives in all of us who believe. And he gives us his word. He helps us understand it so that we know what we've got to stop doing. We know what we've got to start doing. We know what we got to stop thinking about. We know what we need to start thinking about. And we can do that. He gives us the power. He gives us the encouragement. He gives us the strength. He gives us the knowledge of it if we'll look in his word. If we, A lot of people aren't reading his word because of this very thing. They don't want to deal with that stuff. Out of sight, out of mind. If I don't know his word, I don't have to do his word. I want to say you've got to know his word because you've got to do his word because that's how we honor him. That's how we worship him. And that's why he gave us life, that we could worship him, that we would worship him, that we would live this life for his honor. Oh, living it for his honor doesn't get us the life. That's a gift. That's a gift that he's given to every single one of us who believe. Who believe in this one who's upsetting the whole society that he's living in, in the first century. By telling them they don't have to wash their hands before they eat, and they can eat whatever they want. What? It has nothing to do with honoring God. But there are ways to honor him, and he shows us. By believing in in Jesus the one who was able to keep the law completely and perfectly, the one who was able to be righteous at every turn, he says, when you believe in me, I will make you my righteousness. I will give you the gift of eternal life because I'm going to take away every sin that you've ever committed. And now that you have me, 
Now that you have my spirit, now that you have my word, live your life to honor me that I can shine through you so that maybe some others might pick up some things from you and glorify me also on the day I come back. That's our opportunity. But like his disciples, he's telling us, don't be dull. Don't be slow with this stuff. Get on it. Take advantage of the opportunity you have today to learn his word and to put it into practice for his glory. Again, not so that we can add to our arrogance, but so that we can add to his glory, living the life that he's given us for the purposes for which he's given us. Let's bow together in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we want to thank you this morning for this opportunity to see some choice words of our Lord Jesus Christ. To see words that he inspired the prophet Isaiah to write hundreds of years before he came to live in this world. Father, we thank you for that list that he gave us this morning at the end of that teaching. And we thank you, Father, that we don't have to follow a bunch of of rules, but we have an opportunity to have a relationship with you and to follow your instructions so that we can honor you with this life that you've given us. Help us to listen to you and to those who are listening to you by reading your word, by knowing your word, and not who are coming up with new, exciting things and and ways of, of serving you that have nothing to do with your word. Fill us with your spirit so that we can live this life for your glory. And Father, for those who are among us today who don't know you yet, remind them that you brought them to this fellowship for a reason. You brought them to this service for a reason. That you also want them to honor you with their hearts. That they can know you, that they can have a personal relationship with you, an eternal relationship with you by believing in Jesus, your son, the teacher that we've been listening to in your word this morning. And we pray that you would give them the courage and the faith to let everything else that they've been doing to try to qualify, trying to please you, that they'd let all that go and realize that the only work that you honor in our lives is believing in your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Accepting the fact that he is your son, that he is sinless, that he died on the cross and he rose again victorious over death so that everyone who believes in him can have the gift of eternal life by the power of your Holy Spirit. Give them wisdom to take advantage of that today. And Father, for those of us who have, help us to follow you closely and honor you at every turn, at every opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen.